Vernon and Damo back on the show, and we're coming off um, a rough stretch of ball is what I think that everyone can kind of mostly label these last four games as, but they topped it off quite nicely with the quality win. Um, so we can go ahead and get into some of that. But before we do, I'm going to do this at the beginning this time. Uh, if you guys aren't already subscribed to this podcast, please make sure you subscribe. Uh, rate us five stars, leave us a review and all that jazz. So definitely appreciate everyone taking the time to listen to this. And um, to everyone who joined our Twitter spaces this past week, we had two of them, one unexpected, one not. Um, the one that was not expected was arguably the, the 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 best one of the two, and we got the most views on that. And uh, special thanks to to Quentin for coming by and dropping some knowledge and talking some hoops with us for a little bit. So appreciated that. But let's get into some Wizards basketball. Uh, first game for this last stretch for the past week, uh, we went to Denver where we lost one hundred seven to. 113 and this was largely um, a competitive game and I really feel like or felt like this was a game that the Wizards could have won especially when you consider they were without Michael Porter Um, they didn't have Jamal Murray so obviously he's coming back from the injury I thought this was kind of a good game for them to to go up against what's still a quality team and but but I felt like the the depth that we had and you know I felt like that was a very very winnable game and certainly you only lose by six points but uh, what did you think out of this Wizards and Nuggets game to start the week? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the final score on that Nuggets game was not really indicative of how the game went. Like, I mean, we ended up losing by only six, but most of that was us kind of outscoring them. I think it was, what, they hit 37 to 22 on the fourth, and I think midway through the fourth, Jokey got ejected. So that's when we really made a yeah. run. But, like, the game was pretty much over. At the at the half, honestly, like it was it was pretty much over. Like Jokey was just getting whatever he wanted. Um, you know, Gafford was in foul early foul trouble. Trez wasn't really out there as a presence. Um, you know, we were getting killed on the glass. Like they just they just I mean we was missing so many free throws. Um, yeah, they 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 kind of that game wasn't as close as as that final score indicated. It wasn't. A, you know, it just that wasn't a good showing for the for for the Wizards really at all. Um, but it was it was kind of like the same old same old thing with them. Like it was just kind of uh, down by double digits early in the game, or or second by this by halftime you're down double digits, and then they don't really have the shooting to climb out of that. Um, and then it, and then when they are getting buckets, they're they're like trading twos, and that's not gonna you know, that's not going to get you to come back from a double digit lead. So uh yeah. It was a good Davis Bertans game. Uh five of nine from three had some nice off balance, crazy contested three pointers that I think we were kinda accustomed to at one point. So kinda glad to see him get bit by bit. Um a little bit more consistency out of him, which I think if you can get this Bertans for the rest of the season, obviously that's a a massive upgrade with what you can do depth wise and lineup wise and all that. Um, Bradley Beal nineteen and ten, but still wasn't the best Bradley Beal game in the world. And then Aaron Holiday had eighteen off the bench that um, as well in that game. 
moving on to the Kings game. And this was the game that broke me. Like, this is where I was like, what are we doing? Like, what is happening? And just being kind of emotional and just pissed at literally every single thing and every player, every coach, Tommy, Ted. Like, I was just pissed at it all because it was like, this is the game where it felt like th- this is bad and we are literally never going to recover from this. Like, that is where my head was at after this game. Um, you know, it was mostly competitive and then you get to the fourth quarter and you only score 16 points. I mean, it's a, um, it was just completely unacceptable performance from them in this game. Um, Denny had 15 and five off the bench in this one. Uh, KCP 10, uh, a really good Bradley Beal game. This was where we started to see the corner and Bradley Beal's game. And that was disappointing as we finally got like a really good Beal game. And then the rest of the team just decided not to show up, but, um, 35 and five for Beal in that game. But what was your takeaways or what were your takeaways from that dreadful Kings game? Yeah, so the, the Kings game was obviously one that I felt like we should have won. I mean, the Kings were playing bad. I mean, you had De'Aaron Fox kind of saying stuff in the media. You know, they just fired their coach. It was just like, all right. You know, they had a couple guys, starters out um, to injury. So it was like, all right, I'm going to get this one. Um, and they were. They were they were doing the, they were doing the job. They had a 12-point lead with a minute and a half to go in the third quarter. And then they proceeded to allow a 42 to 16 run. Um, it was some of the worst basketball I had seen them play the whole year. Uh, and honestly, this one, I put it on the coach, man. Uh, this was one of the few games I think this year where I was, I was upset with Wes um, because I felt like throughout the course of the game, you know what players are, got it going. You know what players kind of are helping your team and you know what players aren't. Um, and I felt like West just totally ignored that. Like, I just felt like he stuck to his rotations to like player X is going to get this many amount of minutes. Player Y is going to get this many amount of minutes. And he didn't change it up based on the flow of the game, because if he did, I felt like the Wizards would have, there's no way the Wizards would allow the 14, 42 to 16 run if West was playing the guys that were performing well. The guys that were performing well just so coincidentally are the same guys that, that closed it out against the Utah Jazz that they ended up winning. Um, and it, it was just like, I didn't understand that Kings game because it was like, that's a game you really, really had to have. Um, and like, you kind of just went back to the same old guys that have kind of been playing bad for the last month plus. And I feel like it cost them the game. Like, there's no reason like Denny should have had Denny had 15 points in only 22 minutes. Like, yeah. why did you play 30 minutes? You needed to stop when the Kings were going on a run. You had Denny on the bench and you had Bertans in the game and Dinwiddie. Uh, it was just, it was ridiculous, man. Honestly, like I, 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 that was the first game where I was like legitimately mad at the coaching. Um, yeah, it was, it was just bad. It was just bad the way they closed that game up. Uh, moving on to the Suns game, and things were so bad at that at that point that I didn't even watch the game just because I kind of knew that that was the outcome, and I didn't just really feel like subjecting myself to that. But 
Um, I think the big thing that pops out in this game, just looking at the box score, JaVale McGee, 17 and eight off the bench. Um, Aiton had a double double. I think that, um, Gafford is not the best rebounder in the world either, which I don't, I'm not sure, like, if that's something that will project. I, I, the thing with, with Gafford, another, like, picky thing, he's, he's not a very, like, sturdy center. Like, he's, he's very lightweight that you can very easily, like, even Rudy Gobert, who's, like, um, seven one seven two, and is, like, a stick. Like, he is more of a sturdy center than, than Gafford is. And Gafford, I think his body is well defined and filled out. But um, for some reason, like, he just gets moved around by everybody. And I think that that affects his rebounding numbers. But um, you watched this Suns game, I imagine. I did not. So um, tell me what you had for this game. Yeah, so this one was just kind of a steady dose of, of Chris Paul, man. It just kind of like the first half, like they were close. They were playing even with the Suns. Um, and then at the end of each quarter, the first quarter and the, and the second quarter, they would give up like a 10-0 run. It was, the, it was the weirdest thing. They would be up by like two or three points. And then like with two minutes left in the quarter, they would give up like a 10-0 run to the Suns. And then the Suns will, you know, finish the quarter winning by like winning that quarter by like seven points. So they go into the half. They were down double digits again. Um. And then it was just like they just never really could could catch up and, and, and you know, overtake the lead. I mean, uh, I felt like with that game, like Gafford was just he caught he caught a. He, he just I don't know, that was just a bad game for Gafford. Like, I, I felt like he wasn't really present on the glass. Of course, he only had he had zero points. Um, but I think a lot of that was, you know, the ball wasn't really kind of getting in down in the paint to him. Um, but it's just it was a bad it was a bad game for him. Anytime JaVel McGee is the best big man on the floor, that's a problem. You know it's gonna be a, a, a long night. And then Chris Paul just was I mean he was just picking them apart, man. Like they were playing drop coverage and he would come off the screen and just it was a mid range pull up all all day. I mean it's like it's like death by a thousand cuts, man. Yeah, um, moving on to the the final game, which was a, a pleasant surprise. Now, I had kind of like a feeling before this game that this was a game that they could win simply because uh, of the losing streak that they were on. What were they on? I think a four-game losing streak. And I know before the season when we were talking about predictions and stuff, and I had mentioned that potentially going on a five-game losing streak and that that was sort of inevitable, and you were like, oh, I don't see them ever losing five in a row. And they were almost there. Um, but, yeah. Uh, yeah. Thank God that thank God that they weren't. Um, and all things considered, I thought this was an impressive game. They kind of weathered that early storm that the Jazz were throwing out with. Like I think their first four shots made were three pointers, or maybe their first three, something yes. like that. Um, and they just came out swinging. But the Wizards kept that composure, um, much I think like the mindset of their head coach, and they came out there and fought back and. Uh, were able to win a tight one against a pretty good Utah team who really wasn't missing anyone of significance. So um, all things considered, you know, a pretty solid way to end the road trip. Yeah, I mean, that game there, I, I, just, I felt like it was like kind of the opposite of the Kings game. Like, 
the flow of the game was going a certain way and you saw the guys that were helping your team. Um, and instead of West going to his, you know, rotations, he went with the guys that, that got him there. And he keeps he stayed with them and they closed the game out for him. I, I just feel like that just needs to be the, the theme going forward. Like, you know, because really to me, outside of Bradley Bill, I don't feel like I, I would say Bradley Bill and Trez and even Denny to a degree. I don't feel like anybody has played at a level where you're like, you know, they have to play no matter what. Uh, everybody else is kind of like to me, it's kind of like. As it goes throughout the course of the game, like if you're if Kyle Kuzma is 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 cooking with grease and, you know, he's hitting his threes and, you know, making his free throws, making plays, playing defense, then he plays. But if he not, you don't have to go back to him where he's playing thirty five minutes, thirty minutes like. No, like especially if Denny, you need stops and Denny is the guy out there being kind of that connector and, and locking guys up and you know, pushing the pace on offense and he's making his threes. Like, I don't see why Wes needs to kind of be married to his rotations. Like, play your best guys, man, if they're, if they're playing well. Um, he did that against the, the Jazz and they, and they pulled it away. Bradley Beal had an all-NBA level game. I, I don't expect him to have a 65% true shooting, you know, every night, but... Um, he closed it out like how he should, but I feel like there were other things roster-wise, lineup-wise that were put in place that allowed him to do that easier. Like it just wasn't, it wasn't this chore for them to get shots up in the half court. They weren't moving like a 40 and up club, you know, at the, at the midnight basketball league. Um, they look like a real NBA team, man. So, uh, Kudos to West for, for going with the game flow, sticking with the lineup that was producing. Yeah, I think that was kind of the, one of the things at the beginning of the season where we were happy that they had, had all this step now is they can kind of go like uh, manage their rotations game by game based on the flow and how guys are playing. So at the beginning of the season, though, it is hard when you have a lot of veterans on the team and a lot of respectable veterans at that and players that have uh, – made their mark in this league and they're known for certain things. So you don't want to ruffle too many feathers at one time, but I think it's gotten to the point now where, I mean, we were in danger of going below 500 when we were like seven games above 500, like what, like a few weeks ago or something like that. So you were in danger of this plummeting and plummeting fast. So I think he kind of was just like, you know, if I'm going to upset people, then I'm going to upset people. But at the end of the day, you know, I mean, these are wins and losses that are on the line. And a lot of times, you know, as you made this point in the offseason in terms of being a head coach, sometimes you only get this opportunity once. And so eventually you got to not be worried about hurting feelings and got to do what you got to do for the betterment of the team. And I think that Utah game was a good example of that. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's kind of almost like, you know, the 2018 team where you had, you know, Ariza back, you had uh, Dwight Howard, you had all these kind of like, you had Austin Rivers, and they're all like in contract years, you know, and it's like, man, these are like established vets. You know, who's going to play? Who's not going to play? Um, and you almost kind of, it's almost like a paralysis by analysis. Like, it's too many guys. But I just think now we're, we're over 30 games in now. 
I think we know who the defenders are. I think we know who the offensive guys are. And I think we know who kind of like the spark players are. Like if they're, you know, if they're going good, you keep them in the game. If not, they need to be on the bench. Um, and, and I feel like, you know, whatever you've done previous to the Wizards, like that's in the past, man. Like we're trying to win now. Um, and, and based on the season now, I feel like West should know who are the guys that should be getting 30, 30 plus minutes and who are the guys who should. Yeah. Um, so fast forwarding to this week a little bit before we get into some other stuff. Uh, obviously, the, the, the league decided to cancel the game against the Nets on Tuesday. But does this maybe give you a few more practice days to try and get uh, Rui a little bit more comfortable with some practice time? And then maybe he's ready to go on Thursday. I don't think that that's going to happen. But have you seen anything uh, with an update on him at all? I haven't really seen anything on other than the last report about him not traveling on the road trip, uh, which made sense if they weren't want to be able to practice and then the COVID stuff. So um, hopefully now, yeah, he can get ramped up, man, because I mean, I'd imagine he's not like hurt or anything like he should be able to, you know, get some real good practice time in and, and get some wind under him so he can get on the court. Yeah, uh, hopefully we can have him back. Maybe not. Maybe after this Knicks game would be a good target. I, I think that we play the Knicks on Thursday, and then we have Philadelphia on Saturday. So um, maybe after that New York game, it'd be nice if you could get him back now and then have him ready to go for that New York game. So I think that's an extremely winnable game. Uh, the Knicks are kind of. I mean, we talk about how disappointed we are. I mean, I've said this all the time. The Knicks are really the team that's kind of. Uh, Falling off a little bit, so they're they're really really struggling. So yeah, they got uh, a point guard problem too. <laughs> yeah. Um. So going back to Bradley Beal here for a sec. I mean, this is a guy that had for largely had been really really struggling, and we kind of figured that somewhere along the road it would kind of balance itself out. And I think that the last three games are on a um, are, are on a path to doing that sort of thing. And it really seems like this past three games we've gotten a, a Beal with a different agenda. He He's aggressive, and he's getting his shots, and um, he looks comfortable with everything he's doing, and he looks like a real alpha on the court, which I don't think that we had kind of been seeing. Like, it, he was a little bit sort of too casual, whereas starting with that Kings game, even though we lost, I mean, he was on a, a different mission, and, and that kind of carried through through the rest of that um, West Coast road trip. So uh, what have you seen about Beal that's made his play so different as of late? Yeah, so, like, I, I don't know. I guess maybe my my take on it is a little bit different. Like, I, I felt like Beal the whole year has kind of been – like, I didn't see anything from him that made me think, oh, no, like, this is, this is a different player. Um, like, it was, like, an injury or something like that or – you know, the wrong approach. Like, I just felt like he was just missing shots. Um, but I felt like he was getting downhill. I felt like he was passing the ball. I almost felt like sometimes he was overpassing. Like, I felt like we had him in kind of like a role of, like he was James Harden, where, he, you know, he's part-time facilitator, part-time scorer, and he's kind of, there's this duality of, you know, making a play for others and then scoring. And I'm just like, 
I want the Bradley Beal that is a true shooting guard. Like, I want him being aggressive trying to score because I know if he's aggressive trying to score, that's going to open up passing opportunities for him and other guys to eat off of that. So I didn't really care for the kind of early Brad Beal that was kind of trying to be this, like I said, hybrid combo guard. Like, I want him scoring. Um, I, I think that's the best version of him. So when you saw the Kings game, he came out, he was on a mission. Like, it looked like he was going for 40. I think he had, I want to say, 19 in the first half of that game. <clears throat> he was getting to the line. He was in rhythm. Um, and then, you know, the defense had to adjust to that. And then second half, he was finding guys off of that. So uh, he now he's hitting his shots. Uh, and I think now you're seeing that 30 point per game, Brad, that we, we saw the previous two years plus. So uh, I think he just needs to stay in that. Like, stop trying to be, uh, you know, point guard. Just play your game, man. Go get your buckets. Um, and everybody else play their role. And I think the team would be better off for it. Given that things have kind of settled down a little bit uh, after the, the last win, are you at a point right now where you would still change the starting lineup or would you kind of leave it how it is? Oh, yeah. I'm, I, if anything, it, it reinforced my belief on that. The starting lineup should have been changed. Uh, and what would you – what do you the, change? The lineup that closed that Kings game is the lineup should be starting <laughs> um, next game. Okay. Um, Neto, Beal, KCP, yeah. Denny, Gafford. Yeah. Uh, you got you got three defenders out there. Well, I would say honestly, no. Uh, you got four defenders out there, um, and then you got Beal, who's a you know a great scorer. Um, I think that lineup works perfectly because everybody knows their role and they accept it. Yeah. Um, the the one player who's really kind of coming on lately, and this is kind of the, the, the Denny that I had envisioned when we drafted him and kind of do it, you're all kind of guy. I still would like to see him do a little bit more inside the three-point line in terms of the mid-range and the post-ups and stuff like that. But he's slowly but surely finding his way, taking on one task at a time. And um, so I don't even think he's near close to what he can bring to a basketball team and his ability that he can show on the court but um, we're starting to see a little bit more out of him I was a little bit concerned about his defense for a little bit because it seemed like he got decent on offense and then his defense sort of tailed off but then that game against Utah he really showed out and uh, had some really good moments defensively in that game but what have you seen from Denny especially in this recent stretch yeah man he's he's getting He's one of those guys, like like I said, he's probably the most consistent wing on this team. Like, every game, I feel like I'm going to get defensive effort out of him. I'm going to get defensive effort, rebounding, hustle out of him. Um, and then everything else is kind of like bonus. And I feel like the more confidence he gets on the defensive end, the more confidence that gives him offensively. So now... You get a stop on Spider, you throw up the X. Now that ball swing back to you on offense, and that three go up, it, it come off the hands a little different. Like, it's got a little more arc on it. He not hesitating, and it's cash. Um, that's what I want to see, man. Like, I, I like seeing him grab the rebound and kind of push tempo and go, and then kind of make that that outlet pass up the floor and, and, and kind of be that secondary ball handler. I, I love those things for him. Um 
And I, like I said, I, I think he should be starting. I think he's your starting power forward until further notice. Yeah, I believe so he's not going to start him. He should be playing 30 plus minutes and finishing games. Um, you know, but yeah. Yeah, pushing the pace is one thing that I think was really going to kind of mask our inability to get it done in the half court because I feel like our really only true half court score. I mean, Neto and KCP can do uh, obviously Holiday too can do a little bit of it at times, but I mean, really our really only true half court score on this team I feel like is Beal. So to getting out in, in the break and masking some of that stuff, and you could see. Denny in transition doing some stuff. You can get Montrez Harrell and those quick sets coming off a break. You know, it opens up things for everyone else. And that had kind of been my thing for a while watching this team is I'm like, I I think we're starting to see it slow down because the scouting report has is out now. Like, guys know what we're going to do in the half court. And, I mean, they, they maybe even know what we're going to do in the half court more than our own guys know what they're going to do. And when that happens, you need to be able to run and get some quick stuff. And they weren't doing that. And, you know, it's led to some defensive tail off a little bit. You know, they haven't been as sharp defensively um, as they were to start the season, but at least now you're getting that balance where at least you're getting offense with it now, instead of just like getting no defense and no offense. Yeah, I think I think they have to let their defense create offense for them. Like if you're getting if Gafford is going through all this trouble blocking shots on the glass and at the rim and then it's outletted to a guard and then the guard pulls it up to run a half court set. Like, what are you doing? That that de- defending at that point isn't really an asset for you at that point cuz then all it is is you 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 shot clock violation. You turn it over, or you don't get a good shot, and then the other team come back down and say they hit a three. Well, then that defensive possession you just had it didn't help you at all. Like they gotta make those defensive possessions and stops they get count get points for. They gotta get points off of those. And I think just running, fast break, getting out and running, they it it, it, it takes them up to another level. Um, you know, because if they're trying to make everything a slowdown half court game, I just don't think that's uh, sustainable for them. Moving on to our lowly two games this week. It should be three. I'm not going to complain about it. Whatever. Um, first up on Thursday, we have the Knicks in New York. Um, I already put my predictions down for this week ahead of time. Um, I got a win for this one. What do you have? I got a W on this. They never okay. put in this one. Yeah, the Knicks are just. I have no idea what the Knicks are doing anymore. Um, they're they're kind of a joke. So, um, which is really weird because I thought after getting the four seed last year right that i figured after another good off season you know this is year uh, another year under tibbs and derrick rose looks solid quickly is solid you know rj barrett julius randall obviously i thought that they'd be much better than where they are right now i didn't think they'd be at the top of the eastern conference by any sense but damn they, they've really just kind of fallen off yeah the defense i don't know I don't know if maybe last year the defense was kind of fluky because I, I really didn't understand how they became a top five defense overnight like that. Um, uh, but then, you know, now they're, they're kind of defending at like a bottom five level. So uh, 
I don't know, man. And then the conference, I just feel like as a whole, just got better around them. And and really, all they did was added Evan Fournier and and, and kind of washed Kimball Walker. So, uh, yeah, I just think I think it's more so that the the, the conference kind of got better around them, and they didn't really they didn't really add any any uh, needle movers. Yeah, I mean, they got Alec Burks playing point guard right now, which he's probably better suited as a off-the-bench two-guard. Um, but, I mean, we know Julius Randle is basically their point guard. Like, he, he runs everything and all that. But, um, yep. Yeah, I got this as a win. Yeah, I got, I got it as a win, too. I'm anxious, I'm curious to see who they match up on Randle, too, because I don't know if that's a matchup for Denny because Randle is a bull, man. Um, and I would hate to see Denny kind of in foul trouble. So I wonder if this might be like a, a Kyle Kuzma game. Or shoot, I might even put Trez on him, man. Dog versus dog. Uh, and see how he, he matches up against him. But it should be an interesting game. I think Denny was struggling against Randall in the preseason, if I remember correctly. I think that was, we were like, yeah, Denny is so good at defense. And then when he came and played Randall, like he did some good things against Randall, don't get me wrong, but then he got in foul trouble and all that. And I could see that kind of thing um, playing out here. Because as much as I think Denny gets called for Tic Tac stuff, uh, you know, it's at the end of the day, there are still some things that he's a little bit undisciplined with in terms of how he uses his body to. to when he makes contact with guys. So hopefully this isn't one of those games where he really struggles with that because we're going to need his defense and not just for Randall, but for a guy like RJ Barrett as well. Um, Philadelphia, I put a win down for this one as well. What do you got? It's in B playing. Cause I feel like um, I got to ask that every time Philly has a game, right. is, is it in or out of the line? <laughs> Uh, if Embiid is playing, and this is on the road, this is a home game. Okay, no, nah, I'll go W on that. Because if it's Embiid playing and it's on the road, then I would have said an L. But being at home, I, I'll give us that one too. Yeah, I, I do feel like this is a game though, where it's like if Gafford gets in early foul trouble, then you have to bring in Trez, and then you start sending double teams, and you leave Seth Curry and Danny Green and all those other guys open. It's like ah, god damn it. So um, yeah, it could get out of hand, but I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah, go yeah. ahead and be confident, you know. Yeah, Gaff has to be able to play. I feel like the sweet spot for him is like like 28 minutes. Like if he can kind of get like to that threshold consistently, I think you got we we're, we're going to be good defensively, and he's going to be able to kind of play his role and deter shots, man. But if he's going to get up, you know, two fouls in the first three minutes of the game, it's going to be a long night. <laughs> yeah, his season average at the moment is around twenty-one, I think. Last time I looked, so um, he's been definitely getting a lot more minutes lately, though, and I will say that because the beginning of the season, Trez was playing so good, and we know you can't play them both at the same time. So Trez was getting like in the thirty to thirty-five minute range per game, and now it's like it's kind of tailing off a little bit because um, Trez was at like thirty-one minutes at one point, averaging, and then now he's kind of tailed off, and he's back at twenty-five, and we're slowly starting to see Gafford's minutes go up a little bit. Yeah, I mean he's he's gotta he's gotta be on the floor if this defense is gonna 
you know, be top 15, top 10 level, which is going to need to be um, to be a playoff team. Uh, he's got to be on the floor. Him, Denny, they got to be on the floor, man. Neto. Yeah. Neto was like playing really like this was some of the worst basketball I have seen Neto play in a Wizards uniform, but it's good to see that that didn't stick around because the last however many games or so, I mean, he's been, he's again been one of our most consistent players where I felt like last season, like Neto was saving us in a lot of games and it's glad to to see him kind of getting back into form a little bit again on a veteran minimum contract you have to keep in mind. I feel like a lot of times people were getting really frustrated with him when he wasn't playing that well, but it's like, you know, I mean, we can't expect the the six-foot guy on a veteran minimum contract to give you, like, 17, 18 points on a consistent basis. Like, I feel like that's a little bit too much of an ask. But uh, but he's been kind of getting back into form a little bit. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, he's kind of picking up the slack where our, you know, $17 million guy is kind of dropping it. Like I, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, but like you said, you can't rely on a six foot veteran minimum guy to kind of be your second, third scorer. You know, yeah, yeah. you need guys to kind of step up, man. Like, I, I just want Neto to play, you know, that feisty, gritty defense he plays. Um, and then in, in, on offense, he's got to make his shots. Like, he's got to stop missing at the free throw line. And I, I still don't know what's up with his three ball. Like, I think he's under 30% on the year. Like, I don't know what's up with that. Because he's always been a consistent three-point shooter. Um, so the fact that he's shooting, like, 27% from three is just so weird to me. Um, it just makes – it don't make any sense. But hopefully that can come around. Um, and then he just keep keep attacking closeouts. Like, I just think that, that you know, uh, you know, that – him doing that gives the offense – you know, it keeps the defense honest, man. Um, instead of having a guy out there kind of just standing in a corner, you know, not even really looking at the rim. So, uh, yeah, Neto just got to – he's got to keep keep doing what he's doing. Uh, quick shout-out, Bertans, or are you not there yet with him? I, I still don't think he's playable. Like, he's a he's a, <laughs> he's a he's a spark guy. Like, he's a guy – all right, let me put you in, you know, three minutes left in the half – See if you can hit a couple. I'm going to run a couple of pin downs for you. See if you can get a couple threes up. If they go in, great. If not, back to the bench. Like, he's not a guy that I think you can rely on to be 20-plus minutes. Like, that's just not I, – I think that ship has sailed. Like, this team's identity well, has to be on the defensive end, defensive end. And, yeah, he's horrible there. Yeah, I mean, and Wes hasn't really been playing him a ton. Like, for the season, he's only getting 16 minutes a game and I think is 10th on the team in minutes. The only ones that are behind him uh, that you would consider playing over him are Kispert and Gill. I mean, everyone else, uh, Neto, Holiday, Denny, Trez, have all been getting way more minutes than he has. Um, so I think Wes kind of understands that a little bit but it is good to see that he can kind of get back into form and I know like the defense thing is an issue but if we had a JaVale McGee uh, Hassan Whiteside off the bench I mean does that make Bertans a little bit more playable you know probably it would it would yeah it definitely would but you have Trez who's who's bad in pick and roll and and them as a front court tandem is just food you know that's a layup line so um and you're not gonna bench Trez so you can play uh play Bertans so Right. Um, it's kind of one or the other there. 
Are you at a position now where you would rather see Kispert than Bertans, or would you rather still play Bertans because you never know when he can go off like that game against Denver where he goes like five of nine from three? But both of them seem like they've really kind of picked it up together and were like shooting the ball well, but Kuzma came back and then they had to put Kuzma back in the lineup, which kind of relegated Kispert back to the bench. Yeah, I, I think I'd rather see Kispert, man. Like, cause like even though like Bertans is like six ten, he doesn't play like a six ten guy. Um, it's yeah. not like he's, he's like a shooting guy. Yeah, he's a six foot ten like shooting guard, like six ten Kyle Korver. I wouldn't even give him Reddit because Reddit got handle and can get downhill a little bit. Like he's like a six yeah, ten Korver. Um, yeah. like all he's doing is spot up shooting, running off screens. Um. Yeah. But Kispert can do that at six, what, six, seven, six, eight. And then he can also put it on the floor. He's definitely better defensively. Um, even though I would say he's not good there yet, but he's he's better than than Bertans. Um, and so if Kispert is hitting his shots, I mean, I don't really see the point in playing Bertans, honestly. Uh, again, like I, I would throw him in into the half. All right, let's try to get a couple threes up. Boom. If he makes them great, if not fine like but that's just i don't feel like he should be part of your regular rotation where you're counting on him to play 20 plus minutes a night do you think that i don't know how many times you you've played this out or have looked at these different scenarios but do you think that there's a way to dump his contract at all this season Um, it was somebody that sent me a deal with the Spurs to send him back to the Spurs, I think for Thad Young. Um, and I'm like, I don't know why the Spurs would do that. Maybe would they do it for like a second round pick? But I don't know why you would want Bertans's three years remaining for a second. I mean, like, I, I guess here's the thing anyway. Is, is San Antonio going to be signing anyone? You know, probably not. Yeah, that's true. They're not getting no free agents over there. <laughs> because so. teams that can that can contend or can potentially put together a winner like us, like, yeah, we'd love to have the expiring contract, but for those smaller market teams or for those teams that are struggling right now and are in the middle of a rebuild and may not be able to sign guys, you know, perhaps they'd prefer to keep the guys that, you know, um, have some extra years on their deal. But then it's like, why would they – trade Bertans to us for basically nothing. Yeah, like if I said, like, it, would it, would it, I'm sure if we attached the first to it, they would do it, but would they oh, do sure. it for a second? Like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. Like, I, I just don't I mean, know. even two or three second round picks, I'd be okay with that because we already have enough young talent right now on the roster as it is. And I'm not really trying to add too much more to that. Like, Kispert and Todd to me were like, those final two young pieces that you can work with because we already have Denny, we have Rui, like how much more can we actually really add before we start looking more and more like the Thunder? So I'd rather like, if it's worth getting rid of that contract, I'd be okay with trading two or three second round picks to get off of that. I'd be okay with that. So like, if it was like Bertans two seconds and yeah, Bertans are two seconds for Thad Young who's expiring and I think Instead of he's making only like I want to say maybe thirteen million, so you would save like three yeah. million on the cap, and then he would just come off books. And and Don Young is a still good player; like he can he actually is, play yeah. minutes. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, if they could do that, if Tommy could do that, man, hats off to him. I, I would, I would run to, I would drive Bretons to the airport to do that. It would be nice to come away with um, another big piece this year, but I just don't see like what the limitations that we have with the with the um, the pick protections and the the unknowingness of Rui. I just don't feel that they're going to be able to make a, a big move. Now, I still feel like if they want to go like Sabonis, for example, I think that's from all the players that I've seen so far that are between he and Jeremy Grant, I still think those are the most too realistic. And then my preference at that point would be Sabonis uh, simply because of the emergence of, of Denny. If Denny was still playing like garbage and couldn't hit threes or anything like that, like, yeah, maybe Grant is that guy, but I think right now, would you rather have Denny at four million or Grant at you know twenty million? You know, I'd probably take Denny given the makeup of this roster. Yeah, so. yeah I, I would. I'd agree. I totally agree. And I kind of said that uh, a while ago. I was just kind of like, you know, I don't know what Grant adds to your team that you don't really already have. I guess he would be kind of like a better version of Denny, but he's also like five times more expensive. So. Is he five times better than Denny right now? Hell no. So I would say uh, no on the grant, but if if they could pull off Sabonis, and I think Sabonis would really fit the offense that Wes is trying to run, kind of that like, you know, that jokey light type offense where you're running a lot of stuff, high post with your big handoffs, dribble handoffs, and kind of letting the big facilitate it. And then that gets Beal off the ball to be more catch and shoot. Um, and then obviously Sabonis is a great screener. I mean, that pick and roll with him and Beal would be crazy. So, uh, yeah, I would, I would like to, if they could pull that off, I'm with it, man. Cause I, I wanted, I wanted Vucevic last year before the yeah, Bulls made yeah. the move. Um, I thought that, I mean, they got Vucevic, I think for auto porter, bad contract. They got him for nothing, man, for nothing. Wendell Carter in two firsts, I think it was. Think that was the I don't deal? even know if they did they throw in first round picks for that? Yeah, they threw in some first for that. They definitely did. I they threw in I think there was two first. It was two first, Wendell Carter and Otto Porter. If I remember, I, remember right. been... I I just remember seeing that deal and like everyone on Wizards Twitter being like, Why the hell could we not have done that? It was one of them like like that's it? That's all they had to give up? Like yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. And then, like, imagine if they had kept Gafford, man. Like, that would have been yeah. crazy. Um, yeah. And, yeah, and then, of course, summertime, they went and got Lonzo Ball and, and DeMar DeRosa. Now they're sitting as a top three seed. But uh, I feel like the Wizards kind of need to do something like that. Um, I don't know if the, like, big fish, you know, top 10 bona fide player or top even top 15 bona fide player is coming, you know, with this big you know, some big trade. I don't, I don't really see that because those guys are just not, you know, teams aren't willingly giving those guys up. Yeah. I mean, I still think Sabonis could be a really solid center. And, and with how the, I don't think Sabonis is enough of a wing. Cause I feel like in Wes's offense, they treat the four position as more of a wing. And I think you can see that when you watch the way Kuzma and, and Denny play. So I don't think that Sabonis would fit that mold. But I do think that he would be a really good starting center. And then you can move Gafford back to the bench. And then if you want to adjust in the offseason, 
and put Sabonis at the four and you can figure out an offense to where that works and you can run a, a certain set, maybe like some more horns action that they like to run sometimes, you know, maybe you can do that. But like their base offense and the majority of stuff that they run, it would not work if Sabonis was your four. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the stuff. I, yeah, their their offense would definitely change going from Kyle Kuzma at the four to Sabonis at the four. But I, I like the idea of kind of going jumbo and just just killing front courts with a Gafford Sabonis uh, center power forward tandem. Because um, I, I feel like you almost have to have a good defender next to Sabonis because um, he's not the most nimble. Um, but yeah, I, I like I said, I, I I would like the idea of that type of trade for the type of offense we run, um, and we would not be getting punished on the glass anymore. I can tell you that much. So, out of all the guys I right now that you'd want the Wizards to make a move for, would you kind of be like, oh, let's see what you can get for Ben Simmons or, and things like that, De'Aaron Foxes of the world, and that sort of thing. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm good off of the high usage, high volume point guard. At like, I think I, I don't think that's a winning formula. Um, yeah, I'm I'm good off that. We we've seen that movie before. Uh, you know the the speedy point guard that you know struggles to shoot it outside. Like I, you know, it would be better than what we have, but I just don't. Th- I think it's a ceiling on that. Um, I think. The best, I think, the best compliment to a Bradley Beal type player is an is a is a elite big man. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know if I would call Sabonis elite, but he damn sure close. Um, I feel like on most nights, Sabonis is going to be the best big on the floor. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, I would rather go that route. I think he would. I, I honestly would even probably have him. Over Ben Simmons, like of the uh, obtainable guys, because yeah. I don't think you would have to give up as much to get Sabonis as you would to get Ben Simmons, and Sabonis might be a better player. Right. So, yeah. you know, um, like I don't think you can scheme Sabonis out of a playoff <clears throat> matchup. Um, you're gonna have to guard him, and <laughs> you're gonna have to keep him off the glass. So, uh, and then he has some playmaking. So, yeah, he would probably be. I mean, he's not my number one, obviously. We we know who that is. Uh, but he would probably sure. be my number two, I think. I'm trying to think. Am I missing anybody? No, probably That's not. available? Yeah. That's actually available unless we go on, unless we dreaming and you want to throw Jokic in there because he's a free agent 2023 summer. But, yeah. I, uh, yeah, yeah. I want a big man, dog. I, I want a big man next to Bradley Beal that – Really is like elite level big and imposes will. That's what I want. I still don't even think right now that the Timberwolves would trade Cat because they were tailing off for a little bit. Like they started off really hot and then it was really bad, but now they're playing solid ball again. So while they're competitive, I, I don't think that they even consider moving Cat at all. So he's probably out of the question at this point, unless out of nowhere they just plummet. Right. It would have to take like them losing like five, six games in a row. And then he just just like, all right, that's it. I'm out. Um, but yeah. their their starting lineup is so good. Like out of, I was just looking at lineup data earlier today. Like I think out of all of the lineups that have played at least 100 minutes, 
the the their lineup with uh Pat Beverly in it with D'Lo, Cat, Ant Man, and then I think uh I forget their power forward name. But they got the best net rating in the in the NBA. Um it's just that Pat Bev been kind of in and out of the lineup and then they don't really have any bench. So then when the bench come in, they just blow leads. Uh yeah. so if they can figure out the depth part of it, that could be a really good team. Cause I, I think Cat, I've been saying it for a couple of years. I feel like Cat is every bit as talented as Anthony Davis, if not better. Um and he's just straight up abused Anthony Davis, their last matchup. And so and then you got yeah. Ant Man who, you know, he looking like the second coming of Dwayne Wade. So if you got them tandem and you just put defense around them dudes, you're going to be a problem. Man, I loved Anthony Edwards coming out. You remember that? I was like, you did. You definitely like was. <laughs> you was definitely president of the fan club, man. I had my doubts because I didn't know how much he loved basketball. Um, But I mean, obviously the talent was there, but you just never know sometimes with guys where their head is at. Yeah. Because you don't want to get into uh, an Anthony Bennett situation. Not that the talents were ever comparable. I mean, Anthony Edwards is a far better player than Anthony, ben- Anthony Bennett. But just goes to show, like, you never know how serious sometimes how, yeah. um, you know. Yeah. Um, what would you trade right now for Sabonis? Man. Man. Uh... Anything except Gafford, Denny Beal. <laughs> Anything except that. Those three. Um, yeah, I feel like it would be some sort of combination of like Rui, Trez, Bryant, um, and Kuzma, and then maybe Kispert. And then um, they, they need to give us back uh, Justin Holiday. I think that's kind of where I'd be with it. And then if they could give us. Uh, Who's that center they have? Um, that that go god dude, just for depth, of course, because we don't have a, a third big with size. I think that'd be something I'd want back as well. But yeah. I don't know. So. Yeah, um, yeah, I don't, I'm not moving. Uh, like I said, those three, because I think those three you need. You know, obviously, Bill. You're not. It's no point in trading Bill for Sabonis. But uh, outside of him, I think you need. You have to slot Sabonis with your elite defenders, Denny Gafford. Um, And then everybody else, you know, you kind of, I say, I don't know what they looking for, whether they want young players, they want picks, they want both, they want vets. It it seems like they're trying to just blow it up. Like they just want to start over. Um, I feel like if, if Brogdon was eligible to be traded, they would put him on the block too. Um, But he just signed his extension. So, you know, they can't trade him right now. Yeah, and that sucks because I would, I'd be president of the the go get Brogdon train. So I think he'd be like the perfect fit and like a, a defensive guy. He's not a high usage player, but he's a steady point guard. I think he, out of all the point guards in the NBA right now, I mean, I know you can throw around like Chris Paul and like some other guys, but like there really wouldn't be much of a better fit for a point guard next to Bradley Beal than Malcolm Brogdon. Yeah, honestly, if they're outside of Chris Paul, I don't think there is a I don't think there is like an all NBA level guy that I think fits perfect next to Beal. Like even like a Dame or a Steph, like I feel like it's like high usage guys that kind of you got to 
the offense has to be kind of catered to what they do. And it, I kind of just want a steady guy that plays defense, can make threes. Um, and if you need them to get to the rim and make free throws, they can do that too. But they're not, they're not a guy that you have to like tailor your offense to. I just don't think that type of backcourt tandem is going to work in today's NBA to win the championship. It'll be entertaining, but I, like I said, I want an elite big man next to Beal. Like I think that's, I think that's what takes you to the next level. You know, that's the fifty-plus wins that we haven't seen in almost forty years. So, I've been trying to like think about. Re- I was thinking about this the other day, like in terms of like you need like the the all NBA level point guard to win a championship. And I'm going back and I'm looking at some of these teams, and I know it's different eras of basketball. So uh, maybe you take it with a grain of salt, but like those Miami Heat teams, I mean, they had Mario Chalmers, you know, those Laker teams, they had Derek Fisher, you know, I mean, the the Celtics, when they won that one title, they had Rondo when he wasn't even prime Rondo yet. So like, there's a lot of teams and situations where I feel like as long as you just have a point guard who can do the little things and move the ball and just hit timely shots, I feel like if you have, a couple really good wings or a really good big man and a really good shooting guard. You know, I feel like that's kind of more the formula where you need to go now instead of trying to get the, 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 the backcourt pairing. Cause look at Portland, Portland never really got that far. Um, I mean, they've never been to the finals. I mean, I shouldn't say they haven't gotten far, but they haven't gotten to the finals. They haven't won a championship. Look at those wizards teams that we used to have. We never got that far, you know? So perhaps that's not the formula that, team should be trying to go after and, and build their teams based off of. Yeah, I, I mean, look at Cleveland. Like, they had the Garland-Sexton thing going. and They couldn't win. They could barely win 30 games. Now they've, they've put the, those resources into the front court. Sexton not even playing, and they're a top three team in the East right now. Yeah. Um, I, I, that's kind of where, for me, that's kind of where I want to go with Beal. Um, you see with the Bulls, they didn't go and get some high volume point guard. You know, they didn't try to go get, uh, I don't know, Russell Westbrook. You know, they went and got Lonzo Ball, the ultimate kind of like connector. Um, I kind of, in a couple of days ago, uh, kind of going back and forth on Bradley Beal and kind of who he is as a player. I was saying that like Bradley Beal to me is kind of like a six foot three mellow. Um, and if you notice with Mello, like his best year from a winning standpoint came when he was playing with Chauncey Billups. It wasn't when he was playing with Allen Iverson, um, who was still at that time with the Nuggets, like a 27 point per game player. But the furthest Mello ever been as the man in the playoffs was when he had Chauncey Billups. Um, and I feel like that's kind of where the Wizards need to, to kind of go. And maybe maybe Dinwiddie is that guy. I hope so. Um, he looked like that guy early on, but uh, that's kind of what what the Wizards need from the point guard spot. If you're trying to build around Bradley Beal, um, which they say they yeah. want to do, so yeah, I agree with that. And then even going back and looking at those old Bulls teams that won all those championships, I mean, they were running Ron Harper at point guard and then just had um, good wings and solid big men. You know, there was never anything fancy from the point guard position for them. I feel like the 
I don't know all the championship teams, so I'd have to go back and look. But, I mean, even that Mavericks team, like, they had Jason Kidd. They didn't have, like, a Steph Curry, Dame Willard-type player. I feel like Steph Curry's been kind of the outlier in all this. He really is the only outlier. He's the outlier, man. Um, and and he's, he's one of one. He's really one of one, man. Um, but, yeah. You know, like you said, Kobe Bryant, he had Dirk Fisher, man. Uh, Dwayne Wade had Mario Chalmers, Ray Allen, Rondo. <laughs> like, yeah. you don't, like, <laughs> like, I'm not trading for, like, Ja Morant to put next to Bradley Beal. It would be entertaining, but it's not going to win no title. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, well, some good talk and some championships up there. You know, it's funny that we got into that because I, I was thinking about that the other day. Like, I'm trying to think because people were throwing around, like, um, to, to, like, trade for deer and Fox. And I'm going back and thinking, and I'm like, well, would this actually work? And what would we have to give up? Because even if we do that, then we also have to give up some of our wing resources, which puts us even more at a disadvantage when you consider now the wings that we have in the Eastern Conference. So I'm not really sure that I'd be on board for something like that. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, uh, but uh, some good talk there on uh, Sabonis and um, some title stuff. So, uh, once again, thanks guys for tuning in. If uh, you're not already subscribed, make sure to subscribe, uh, leave us a five star review, leave us a comment, DM me any suggestions or comments or questions that you may have. But that's going to do it for us today, and we'll see you next time.